They called us monsters, so monsters we became. We are monsters out of the closet. I'm Nicole. And I'm Shreya. We live in dark times, dear listeners. And the truth of the matter is that darkness is not content to simply swirl around us. Darkness has a habit of making a home inside us. It is in these instances when we are surrounded by shades of malice that we must have the courage to confront the shadows that lie within ourselves. In our first piece, O Fortunato, we linger with one of literature's great victims. Fortunato, last seen being walled up within the catacombs of Edgar Allan Poe's Cask of Amontillado. Trapped and left to a ghastly fate, we feel the rising terror as Fortunato realizes he is not alone in the darkness. O Fortunato is written by producer Nicole Calland and features Ari Ryder as Fortunato, with additional voices by Shreya Venkatesh, Nicole Calland, Dara Rundin, Zach Wells, Matthew Aranda, Eric Little, Nev, Lucille Valentine, and Della Robertson Glenn. Sir, get back here. Please, let us be gone. This nitro, the damp air, oh, even the wine you've plied me with. I am most unwell. <coughs> I swear, upon all that is holy, I am not upset. It was a very good joke indeed. <laughs> Montresor, get back here! No, 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 no. Let me out! Please, Montresor, please! Oh, God. Help me, please, someone. I don't want to die here. I don't want to die here. Oh, God. <laughs> Who said that? Is someone here? <coughs> Show yourself. Please, give us some light. Oh, Fortunato. Montresor, is that you? For the love of God, release me from this black hole of death, please. Let me out. <coughs> please, Montresor, please. Hush <laughs> Mommy? Where's Mommy? Stop it! <coughs> I beg of you, please stop. Why? Why did you kill me? You fool, you're going to die. Please, not like this. In the cold and the dark. Somebody help me. I don't want to die here. Please, please, not like this. Do not fear the darkness. Oh God, 
Our next piece takes us into the dark and silent void of space, when an unsuspecting expedition lands on a perpetually dark planet. They realize the greatest danger is what hides in the light. Jubilee is written by Perry P and features Max George as Kyle, Sheila Began as Ashley, Zach Wells as Will, and Lindsay Holt as Mara. Captain, permission to speak freely? Yes, Lieutenant Gray. It's beta shift. Not much going on. It's a, well, personal matter. It's about me. I mean, it's about us. I mean, uh, uh, okay, it's better if I show you. Are you kidding me? You brought a ring here? Yeah, Ashley. I, I mean, Captain. I can't believe this. This was my mother's. Told me to find a nice girl. <laughs> well, you're in space, Lieutenant. So much for settling down. And I'm not your mother. Do you think he'll say yes? <laughs> of course he's gonna say yes. You two are practically married. Hey, wanna get a dog wheel? How about a house near the country? You two flirt over comps. Okay, okay. I'm planning on asking him on the next planet. Horror house planet? Jeez, it's just one whorehouse. It's not like that's the only thing on Jubilee. Yeah, whorehouse planet. Do you want to hear the rest of it or not? Okay, go on, Romeo. Jubilee's sun exploded, right? It doesn't make it any more romantic. And the light from the nearest star has not reached it just yet. If I did my math right, and I always do my math right, Jubilee will have its first sunrise in a millennium. While we're there... You're gonna ask him then? Yeah. What? What is it? Is it bad? That's actually sweet. Shit, that's actually really sweet. Uh, thanks. So that's what you called me for? To see if your marriage proposal was romantic enough? Jesus, Gray, I got a ship to run. <laughs> thanks, Kim. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> 
shit, Cap. Ashley! Would you look at that? When they said there'd be a horror house here, I didn't think it would actually be a horror house. What do you make of it, Will? It can't possibly be a... It's just old. And creepy. And abandoned. On a planet of perpetual night. I think it's the black wood that does it. Mara, care to weigh in on this creepy wood theory from a scientific perspective? According to my research, the wood is probably the only reason that place is still standing. But, yeah, this house is super creepy. Scientifically speaking, of course. Like a house like this, Will? (laughs) (laughs) How romantic! Don't enable him, Mara. It's adorable, really. Right, let's set things up, get those readings, and get the heck out of here. And she said, sir, that is not how human syntax works. (laughs) You broke the AI! Well, if someone would stop teaching her how to talk like a primitive spam bot... Technically, AIs are bots. I'm the technician, and I say so. God, sorry! Mara, you okay? You're looking a little pale. Are you... I'm fine. A little nauseous, maybe. I'm sorry. Let me get that. Hey... How about you turn off your night vision for a while? Maybe that's what's causing the dizziness? Take a break, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Will. Hey, when you get down to it, is there a difference between a bot and a robot? Oh no, not again. Mara, please, save me from this boring argument. I know I'm hardly an expert on robotics, but... Mara? There's a light here. What the- I can see. I can see. Ah! Mara, no! Mara! She's gone. Mara, where are you? Run! Run! Captain! What happened? There was a store, and Mara- Something took her. Okay, here's the plan. I'm going to block off this part of the house. Then we're going to figure out what happened, and then we'll find Mara. Copy? Copy. Copy. I'll help. What's wrong? My ankle. (sighs) All right. Lean on me, then. It's just a sprain. You'll live. Uh, Where would I be without you? Dead. Probably. The locals religious? Are you looking for a supernatural explanation for all this? Just humor me. <sighs> Jubileans were religious. Like many religions, they believe light connected life and death. They worshiped the sun and other sources of light. 
You mean they would have considered that lamp there holy? Yeah, they would. You know what's cruel, though? They died when their son went out. Mara's gone. I can't find her anywhere. Tell me everything that happened. She was standing in front of the room. Kyle tried to stop her, but she went inside anyway. I I heard her scream from the inside, and when I looked, she wasn't there. Mara wasn't anywhere. It's my fault. No, it's not, Kyle. Did she say anything? Yeah, that there was light? But we didn't see anything, and she didn't even have night vision on. What the hell did she see in there? Gather your things. I'll ready the ship. We're getting out of here. But- If Mara doesn't show up by the time we leave, we'll just have to send someone else for her. Right now, something happened to a member of my crew, and I don't like that. Go. up the apartment and you lost our stuff it was one box with other boxes inside of it damn your mom was pissed that stuff was mostly hers maybe we should give her a call after this i'll tell you you managed not to lose any boxes this time are you okay yeah you don't sound okay sure you got me house eats mara I'm not okay. Shocking. Sorry, that wasn't fair. Sorry. It's okay. No, it's not. This stupid house. It's playing us, Will. I know. Shame we couldn't stay for the sunrise. Did you know? No, what? Nothing. It's nothing. Nothing, I promise. You sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Well... If you have anything to ask... I know, I just... Wait, do you hear that? I'll go check it out. I don't think that's a good idea. I'll be quick. Kyle... I'm fine, see? No weird monsters or anything. I just... What? What is it? Kyle? Kyle, I'm coming over there. I can see her, Well, Shit! She's right here, behind this door. Damn it! Shit! Kyle, don't! Okay? Did he... Did he get to ask you? Sorry, I shouldn't have. It's okay. I would have said yes. You know? Did he know? Shit. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did, Will. Let's get out of here. The ship's power is still offline, Will. <laughs> Take a rest. I'll be here, and I'll wake you the second we can get out of this damn planet. Okay. Thank you, Ashley. off Ashley do not be afraid hey let her go I am an officer of the interplanetary federation and I will shoot you if you don't do you want a house like this will Ashley Kyle do you want Ashley oh no 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 Ashley no I'm sorry, I'll make this right. I'll I'll fix this. I'll make this right. You won't be able to hurt anyone ever again. Go to hell, horror house. It's actually kinda of beautiful. I am the light. Do not be afraid. Where are you? Show yourself. Do not be afraid. I will bring him home. No! Let me go! Let me! Do not be afraid. I will bring him home. Home? Hi, honey. I thought you'd never get back from out there. What, the grass greener than usual today? Pancakes? I didn't know you could cook. Right, don't burn them. Beautiful day, isn't it? Mara says she'll visit. Says she can't get over this house. Maybe we should invite Ashley along. Get everyone together again. Ugh, I just can't get over how lucky we are to live here. This house is so amazing. Do you like this house, Will? Hey, why are you crying? I... You can move if you want. Will? Honey, anywhere you are, that's where I'll be. No, this, this is good. I... I love... I love this house. I, I love you. Too. How about we just eat those pancakes, huh? <laughs> that sounds perfect. <clears throat> just perfect. In our final piece, a loving couple builds towards domestic bliss during a home renovation. But when the lights go out, the shadows in this house become particularly insidious. Something in the Dark was written by Jeff Baker and is read by Eric Little. I sleep with the lights on now. Kevin and I had been officially married for four months. We owned our own business, flipping houses. We'd worked through a lot of towns in western Kansas near where Kevin had grown up. 
Hugoton, Elk Ridge, Rachel, even Dodge City. By the end of that summer, we were in Darley, Kansas, working on a house at the edge of town. Buying fixer-uppers, fixing them up, and selling them at a profit was a pretty cushy job, and it was no sweat for us. We'd both been practically born with a hammer in our hands, and once we got the power on, and the plumbing working, we stayed in the house we were working on, usually with the big inflatable airbed, along with a cooler full of ice, food, and soda. Saved a lot of money that way, and gave new meaning to the phrase, working from home. Darley, Kansas wasn't much. A main street with old brick, one-story buildings, grain elevator by the railroad tracks to the north, water tower overlooking everything. Surrounding that were several streets with the newest houses, mostly dating back to the 1960s. The one we were in was a ranch style, with faux brick below painted wood along with a concrete front porch with an awning. Most of the paint was peeling, and the grass was overgrown in brown waves like a tan comb over. We did a lot of checking before we bought the place. Checking for termites, dry rot, things we couldn't repair that would turn off a potential buyer. We'd looked at a house over in Appleton where Kevin had nearly fallen through the kitchen floor. Termites. Nope, we didn't take that one. But the house in Darley was perfect. Just at the edge of town, paved road trailed off into dirt road a couple of blocks east, grocery store closes at 8pm, a few blocks west in what passed for the downtown. West of downtown, a few blocks was the highway and the convenience store that was open all hours. Once we got the power and plumbing working, we moved our bed and a few other things in from our van. We celebrated that night with convenience store pizza, soda, and music from the radio. We risked using the oven, the gas lines were okay, but we were laughing and talking and didn't hear the kitchen timer. Lance Long, Kevin said in between kisses and burnt pizza. I love you and your porn movie name. Yeah, Kevin Frederick, yours only makes you sound like a designer. I said, smiling as I kissed him. Yeah, we're a couple of walking stereotypes, Kevin said. Hey, do you want to get a place like this someday? You know, for us? I thought you liked the city, I said. What's wrong with the apartment? If we had a house, Kevin said, taking another bite of pizza, we could have a yard, and we could maybe get a dog. And take the dog with us, out on jobs? I was grinning. No, no, he said. When we settle down a little, when we get something more stable, you know. When we're in, like, our thirties, I said. Old men. Kevin and I laughed. I kissed him again, then grabbed another slice of pizza. You know, we could get a dog and take him with us. Or her, Kevin said. Or her, I said with a grin. We could train her to fetch pliers and screwdrivers. And not to step in paint can lids, Kevin said. Hey, if you trained me to do all that, we could train the dog, I said. More laughing as we finished off the pizza. 
We hit the sack about 10.30. We still had to get up early and work. I woke up in the middle of the night to Kevin's snoring. I smiled. I looked up and saw the short hallway to the living room through the bedroom doorway. I could make out the stepladder in the light from the streetlight across the street. I was half asleep, and before I lay back down on the pillow, I thought to myself, I must be asleep. I thought the doorway was over on the other side of the wall. I closed my eyes and pulled close to Kevin, who murmured in his sleep. I fell back asleep to the sound of his snoring. In my dreams, the streetlight was dancing with our stepladder. Even though every house was different, Kevin and I had repair work down to a routine. Within a month, we had most of it done. Not quite ready to show to a buyer, but enough to be satisfied with the work we'd done. We'd stopped work early and got another pizza, eating it on the front porch, watching the clouds roll in. The storm kicked in about eight that night. Thunder and lightning, rain pouring down outside. Kevin and I ran through the house checking for leaks. Thankfully, the roof was in good shape, even considering the hole in the kitchen ceiling we had yet to repair. There was some water trickling in under the door from the back deck, which had settled at an angle sloping towards the house. I hated those wooden decks, but we stuck a towel under the back door and took care of that. I looked out the kitchen window to the backyard and for the umpteenth time, imagined kids running outside to play in the yard on a long ago summer day. Right then, the backyard was overgrown with weeds and filled with fresh mud and puddles. We thought about heating something in the oven, but cold sandwiches made from the stuff in our cooler were less hassle and tasted wonderful. I was joking about getting a microwave when there was a huge crash of thunder and a bluish lightning flash, and the lights in the house went out. I reached for my cell phone. Light, but no bars. We don't need that, Kevin said, pulling me closer. We sat and watched the rain out the front window as it grew darker. We could have had music, or at least the sports station on the radio, but I'd left the portable radio in the van and I didn't feel like getting drenched just to hear what team was losing. The rain was letting up and the power was still off when we went to bed a couple of hours later. It wasn't too stuffy in spite of the windows being closed, and as I lay there snuggled next to Kevin, I stared around at the dark. I hadn't realized how really dark dark was. I was so used to having lights on from outside, and all the lights we have on in our houses and apartments even when we turn the lights off. The lights on the TV, the computer, and the modem, the lights as we're charging our phones. Here in this house we had a street light across from the house, as well as the light from the alarm clock Kevin had plugged in on the makeshift table by the bed. Or the moon, and even the stars. But it was cloudy and there was no power. There were no lights. It was plain old dark. I glanced around. We had covered the window with a blanket and I could barely make out the difference between the wall and the bed. I closed my eyes and there was hardly any difference. 
I thought about leaning over and looking out the window, but Kevin was snoring and the bed was warm, and I pressed my back against his and I was asleep. It was a few hours later when I woke up. Kevin had rolled over and I needed to pee. I fumbled for my cell phone on the floor by the bed and started to feel my way to the bathroom. A few steps away from the bed, I realized I couldn't see a damn thing, so I turned the flashlight on. Ordinarily, the flashlight beam would have lit up the whole room, but it came out dim and barely stretched a foot in front of me, like it was disappearing into a black cloud. I sniffed the air for a minute. It wasn't smoke, it was just dark and the flashlight app wasn't working. I sighed and felt ahead of me. I found the wall and felt around until I found the doorway. From there, it was just a right turn into the bathroom. I automatically felt for the light switch and remembered the power was off. Dumb, dumb, dumb. I was sitting there when I fumbled with my cell phone and the brilliant light beam came on, illuminating the whole bathroom. Now it works, I thought. When I was done and washed my hands, I started back to the bedroom. But the instant I stepped out of the bathroom, the light on my cell phone went out. Damn, I breathed. Light out, but all I needed to do was turn left and feel my way back. I felt a few feet and found the doorway, went in, and carefully felt around with my feet for the bed. Nothing. I didn't want to trip, so I felt for the wall, figuring I could make it to the wall where the window was and feel my way to the bed from there, and I was going to snuggle up next to Kevin and sleep. I kept my hand on the wall and kept walking, and walking, and walking. Was I in a hallway I hadn't noticed before? I stopped. I didn't want to fall down a flight of stairs I didn't know about. The basement entrance was at the other end of the house. I put both hands on the wall and turned so I was facing the direction I'd come from. I took a step forward, letting my hand slide along the wall. Another moment, and I bumped into another wall. Good. I'd bumped into the wall where the doorway was. I felt along the wall I'd bumped into, and came against another wall. No doorway. I stepped back into another wall. I felt around. I was enclosed in four walls the size of a phone booth. I wanted to yell. This was a nightmare. I tried to pound on the wall with my fist. The wall was gone. By now, I was breathing hard. I stepped forward, trying the flashlight again. The beam went ahead of me a foot and stopped, like something was blocking it. I stepped into the dark. I felt it. It was there. It gave. There was a smell. Something old. I was near panic. In the nightmares, this would be where I screamed and I would find Kevin shaking me awake. In a nightmare, I would open my mouth to scream and nothing would come out. I hollered for Kevin. I heard my voice echo off the walls of the house, then silence. I felt the dark swirling around me. It felt like 
old wool. I couldn't see one glimmer of light. I was still clutching my cell phone. I tried the flashlight. Nothing. I turned around to where the box I'd felt had been. Of course, it wasn't there. I looked up in the wild hope I would see stars. I yelled again. No response. I stepped to the side, flailing with my hands, hoping to dispel this dark that was not dark somehow. I knew one thing for sure. I was wide awake. I had pinched myself several times. I was wide awake. I ran. I didn't care about stairs, the ladder, or anything. I collided with a wall and fell to the floor. I looked up and saw dim light from outside, and I saw the thick, extra dark suddenly just sweep away, leaving the dimly lit living room. It was like the solar eclipse we'd driven up north to see last year, when the moon's shadow suddenly, silently rushed away, heading east. I lay there on the floor, shaking. That thing, that shadow, had been real. I had seen it, felt it, been trapped by it, and it was in this house. I heard Kevin stirring and mumbling in the next room. I staggered to bed and fell asleep holding him. The next morning, I told him what had happened. He thought I'd dreamed it all. I was insistent that I had been awake, that there was some thing, some force in this house, something dangerous. Kevin never believed in anything unnatural, and he didn't believe me. It got bad when I suggested we get a priest or something, and that I didn't think we could sell this house to anybody without warning them first. This led to the biggest argument we'd ever had. He yelled that if we told anybody the house was haunted by a nasty shadow, We'd never sell the house and lose everything we'd put into it. In the end, I was so afraid of losing Kevin, I gave in. We finished working on the house, but we really weren't talking. There was a coldness in the house, but it had nothing to do with any supernatural shadow. We sold the house a few months later. We kept our mouths shut, and I felt guilty about that. Things were bad enough between Kevin and me by then. We weren't sleeping in the house, and we certainly weren't sleeping together. We got a motel room with separate beds. We were glowering at each other as the real estate agent talked about how great a place the house was to the young couple who were potential buyers. They were young and just starting out, and I guess they had the cash saved up for the house, which was a bargain, I guess. The sale went through, and that night at the motel, Kevin and I had another big, loud argument. Somebody in the motel actually complained. Kevin and I didn't speak on the drive home the next day. 
I wasn't surprised when he checked into a motel when we got back home. He didn't call, I didn't call, and our apartment felt big and empty the three nights I was there. The third day, I took some of Kevin's clothes over to the motel where he was staying. He opened the door and stared at me, and I broke down crying. He held me and led me back into the room. We sat on the bed and cried and talked for hours, both of us apologizing, both of us saying we didn't want to be without the other. We spent the afternoon at the motel and went back to the apartment that evening. That night, I got out of bed, checked the front door, looked out the window, and then headed for the bathroom. I had turned on the one light from the hallway, trying not to wake up Kevin. In that light, I saw my shadow turn and head towards the bathroom before I did. I sleep with the lights on. Kevin is very understanding. Whether in the gloom of a haunted prison cell, the lightless expanse of a not-so-empty planet, or the shadows of an unfamiliar hallway, darkness preys upon our ambitions, our vulnerabilities, and our regrets. So, dear listeners, if we are to find light, it must also come from us. Let us look to our hopes our relationships, and our determination to find the light. Thanks again to Perry P. and Jeff Baker for contributing to this episode, and to Ari Ryder, Tara Rangan, Matthew Aranda, Eric Little, Nev, Lucille Valentine, Della Robertson-Glenn, Max Georgia Scream Kings, Sheila Began, Zach Wells, and Lindsay Holt for their performances. Songs featured were scene four of The Music of Eric Zahn, composed by Michael J. Evans, Anyone Who Knows What Love Is by Irma Thomas, Whispers of Sorrow by Blue Dark, and Wrong Turn, Castle Lost, and Drafty Places by Eric Matias. Additional sound effects were created by Douglas Grindstaff, Jack Finlay, and Joseph Sorokin, as well as Everything Sounds, Kei Soko, Patchen, and Jacob Mathiason. For links to purchase or listen to the music featured, and to learn more about our pieces, artists, and readers, visit our website, monstersoutoftheclosset.com. Our next episode, Alien, will be released on January 29th. Until then, we will be accepting limited submissions for Grave, Ritual, and Vengeance, after which submissions will be closed for our second season. Submissions will open back up for year three in spring 2019. You can learn more about themes, submission details, and voice acting opportunities on our website's submit page. You can also stay up to date with podcast news and our love for spooky media at monstersoutoftheclosset.tumblr.com and at pod underscore monsters on Twitter. Special thanks to our supporting producers Dara Rangan, Lindsay Holt, 
Sarah Lopez, and Lourdes Kaland, as well as all of our other patrons who help us support our writers. If you're able to join us at even the $2 level, you're able to get perks like our Behind the Screams, where Shri and I give commentary and generally fangirl over each episode. Thanks again for listening. Monsters out.